We realize that we enjoy our freedoms today because of those who sacrifice their comfort, their time, and their lives. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. We will all be worshiping today online due to the weather that hit Oklahoma City this morning. So I'm thankful that you are with us today. We have announced, as you heard earlier from Brother Sean, that we'll be extending Lawn Chair Church through the month of June, going to a new time on the first Sunday of June at 945. But today, we have the privilege of worshiping in God's Word and worshiping together online. I hope that you'll be praying for Larry Adams and his family, uh, the passing of his wife, Edwin, of 67 years uh, this weekend. Their service, her service, will be Tuesday at 2 p.m. at Mercer Adams. They've been a lifelong a valuable part of this church. We love them dearly. And Brother Larry, if you're watching today, our prayers are with you and your family. Well, tomorrow we celebrate. We celebrate at a high cost uh, what was the laying down of countless lives throughout our national history. This holiday commemorates the men and women who have chosen to serve and to ultimately pay the highest sacrifice of laying down their life for our freedoms. This holiday first started as we were celebrating the soldiers that gave their lives during the Civil War. That was the origination of the holiday, and now it's been extended to all who've given their lives in all of the wars throughout our nation's history. The Civil War took place in 1861 to 1865. That term, Civil War, is actually an oxymoron. There was nothing civil about it. It was a war against ourselves. We fought against ourselves. And we're going to talk about that today, the picture of that that was a physical reality that speaks to the spiritual reality that we struggle with every day, our own civil war. It was during that war that the Union had 2,213,000 soldiers. Out of those 2,000,000 soldiers, 364,511 would lay down their lives. The Confederate Army had 1,000,000 soldiers, roughly, and 133,821 soldiers lost their lives in this so-called Civil War. You can see there on the screen the comparison of all other wars. The Civil War by itself outweighs all other wars combined in the number of deaths that were given in that moment. As we reflect on this truth, we realize that we enjoy our freedoms today because of those who sacrifice their comfort, their time, and their lives. It was a huge sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, and nearly half a million soldiers gave that sacrifice so that you and I could have what we have today. Before we jump into today's message, we've posted our latest updated uh, reopening plan on how we can continue to celebrate those freedoms. You can find that at pcbc.tv. But today, we want to remember well, not just those who've given their lives, but remember the civil war that wages within our own hearts. Some have said, and the title of my message today is The Challenges of Christianity. Some have said that being a Christian is a piece of cake. That's what I used to think when I first became a Christian. Now my life was going to be easy, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Others have said being a Christian is a roller coaster ride. Others have said, I think Christianity is just impossible. There's no way that I can live the Christian life. Well, we can all agree that being a Christian is definitely a challenge. And at best, we understand it's not an easy life, but it is a blessed life. 
and it is the life of Christ in you. But there is a civil war that goes on inside of us where we fight ourselves every single day just like we as a nation did in the 1800s. When I became a Christian, I was super naive. I thought that once I became a Christian, all my problems would go away, all of my challenges, all of my struggles, all of my bad attitudes, all of my bad habits, all of that would go away because now I was a Christian and I was going to be perfect like I thought all those other people were that had gone to church all their lives. I remember surrendering my life to Jesus, the overwhelming joy that flooded my heart. And then I remember waking up the next morning as I was full of joy, I was different, and I had determined in my heart that I was never going to lose that feeling ever, ever, ever. And then it didn't seem like it was too long uh, after that, maybe just hours after that, that that civil war began to wage inside of me. That commitment would be radically challenged as I began to struggle in my faith. And I'm sure that you can relate to that same struggle in your life. It is universal, for we all face that civil war, even the Apostle Paul. Matter of fact, he's going to take the next two chapters of the book of Romans. We're going to go back into that series. We'd been studying the book of Romans until we got to May, and we return to it today. If you have your Bibles, uh, we'll be in Romans chapter 7, and then right now you might want to turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16, then we'll go to Romans chapter 7. The very first challenge that we see, what I couldn't see at first until I saw it in the Word of God, is this battle within. You see, I thought when I was saved, I would never sin again. I, I would never even want to sin. I'd always want to read the Bible. I'd always want to go to church. I'd always want to do the right thing because I was a brand new person in Christ. And that's how I started that journey. But hours later, I found myself still being tempted with the same things I'd struggled with before. I discovered that I wanted to do the exact opposite sometimes. The things I shouldn't do, I wanted to do. And that became very confusing for me because I had these new desires, but I still had struggles with the past. I wanted to please God, and at the same time, I wanted to please my flesh. Well, why is that the reality? Why is civil war real? Galatians 5, 16, take a look at it. Paul said, I say, walk by the Spirit. Now, he's teaching them, instructing them, because there is a natural way to walk, to walk after the patterns of our flesh, after our own desires, to let our emotions guide and direct where we go, to, de to decide where we walk and how our walk goes, how I feel. Paul says here, you can't walk by your soul. That's where your emotions are, your feelings. While those are real and those are genuine, they combat God's direction for our life. And so the Spirit of God comes to live in us to give us the power to walk a new path, to go in the path that brings glory and honor to his name. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Now that's the good news, and the reality is if we don't walk by the Spirit, we will carry out the desires of our flesh it's what I call spiritual schizophrenia. It's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It's a desire at one point to be for God and on another point to go opposite of God. It is a civil war that wages inside each and every one of us. And so we dig in this morning, and what we come to understand about the flesh is that the flesh wants to sin. The flesh wants to be gratified. The flesh wants the things of this world. It never wants to do the righteous thing. It wants to do the unrighteous thing. You say, well, 
how is that true for a Christian? I thought we were a new creation. We are. We are new in Christ, and Christ is in us, and yet our flesh still lives as well. You need to understand it's not something you can whip into shape. It's not something you can discipline. It's not something that you can overpower in your own strength. That's why Christ comes to live in us, to set us free from the flesh and to give us victory in that civil war that wages inside of our hearts. And so go to Romans chapter 7 now. And Romans chapter 7 gives us a portrait of a struggling Christian, the challenges of Christianity. I love that about the Word of God. It's not some fairy tale that's all rosy and picturesque. And while it is in points and it does give us hope, it's also real. And it talks about the realities of the challenges of our Christian faith. Paul gets very honest here in Romans chapter 7. And he reveals the civil war that was going on inside of him that goes on inside of each and every one of us. So I want you to look at his transparency today. And I think you're going to find it relates to your life as well. His first statement that he says is found in verse 14, Romans chapter 7, verse 14. And he basically says, you know, I have a problem. We have a problem. What's the problem? Verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. Paul is trying to remind them that if you want to keep running back to religious ways, if you want to try to, to, to look to the law to bring you life, he says, the law, yes, it's spiritual, but our problem is it doesn't fix us. Why? Because we are enslaved to sin. We have a problem. And to have victory in our lives, we have to admit we have a problem. Anybody who's ever dealt with addiction understands that until you come to that point, like the prodigal son who was in that pig pen, who came to his senses, who realized he had a major problem, he was now bankrupt, and he needed to return to the Father. Until we admit we have a problem, we can never find victory. Paul was admitting that he had a problem. And if you notice, as you read through all of the book of Romans chapter 7, this particular chapter, chapter 7, you'll find the word I used over and over and over again. He says, I have this problem. I'm a slave to sin. I struggle. All these I words, 27 times he has the word I in 12 different verses. He's pointing to an I problem. I have a problem. You have a problem. And we must confess that and realize that, that our flesh is a problem. Well, the second thing he says, look at verse 15. Not only I have a problem, but he says, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I struggle to totally wrap my brain around it. It's overwhelming to me sometimes to try to figure this civil war out. Take a look at it, verse 15. He says, for here's what I realize. I'm doing what I don't understand. He's going to elaborate in just a moment, but what he's saying is, I'm struggling with things I thought I'd never struggle with. I thought everything would go away. All the temptation, all the struggles, all the internal battles would just go away. I can relate to that, can't you? We struggle with this understanding. We struggle in this civil war, and it doesn't match up with what we thought this Christian journey would look like, and yet it is so real. It's comforting to me that even the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, didn't always understand what was happening in his life or understand the battle that was taking place. The good news is, though, Paul understood his victory, and he understood how to win the war. 
So you see Paul, the greatest Christian who ever lived, next to uh, maybe uh, others that you might think of, your heroes of the faith, is saying that he didn't always understand what he was doing. He has two perplexing questions. How can I stop doing bad things? And how can I start doing the right things? Look at the rest of verse 15. He says, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. How many of us start the day with the best of intentions? We wake up, it's a new day. We're excited to live for the Lord in that moment. And maybe that's part of the problem. We're trying to live for the Lord rather than letting the Lord live through us. We have a desire to do the right things. But as we go through the day, we find that we often do the wrong things, say the wrong things, think the wrong things. And then this civil war begins to escalate every single day. Isn't that frustrating? Doesn't that allow the enemy to start to creep in with a spirit of doubt in our hearts and in our minds? Doesn't it make you want to quit? Well, look at what the Apostle Paul would go on to say. The third thing he would say is, I'm frustrated. Look at verse 17. He says, I have the greatest intentions, but I can't seem to pull them off. Nothing seems to change. Verse 17. So now it's no longer I am the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. You see, if you start your day in the wrong power source, you'll end your day doing the wrong things. If you allow sin to set up shop and you say, that can happen for a Christian? Yes. Yes, it can happen in any person's life. Paul, Bill, you. Determines who the master is going to be in that moment of your day. As you begin the day, you don't seek to live for God. We have to begin each day allowing God to live in us. If it isn't God living in us, Paul's saying here, sin will dwell in us. Paul in this verse is saying, I want to do the right thing, but sin has crept in and now sin takes control. You remember Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus came and Peter had fallen asleep and he said, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. You see, our attentions can always be great. And the spirit, greater is he that's in us than he is in the world. But if we're not plugged into the one who's within us, we will live in this world and we will cave to the civil war. Fourth thing that Paul would say in his real transparency is, he says, there's times where I feel like I'm just failing. Can you relate to that? Look at verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I don't want to do. But if I'm doing that very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. There are several things that we need to take note of in this passage Things that were transformational for me when I was struggling in my civil war and that still transformed me in my current civil war. First thing I want you to see is this. Look at the very first part of verse 18. Underline and note, nothing good dwells in me. The Apostle Paul made a radical declaration that I'm sure his audience said, no, 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 Apostle Paul, you're our, you're our spiritual hero. You're Superman. And Paul's basically saying that's not true. Nothing good dwells in me. Now, before he came to Christ, he thought that that's how you got right with God. You had to become great for God. You had to do good things for God. And he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was trying everything he could to do good. And now he discovers in Christ his problem was 
Nothing good is in our flesh. Nothing. Matter of fact, he notes that. He has to make that clarifier because there is something good in Paul he's going to allude to in just a moment. But he says there's nothing good. He says now, in my flesh, in my person, just my natural man, there's nothing of inherent value. There's nothing that can give me victory. I cannot win the civil war in my own natural man. That's important to understand. Because as I look back at the early years of my Christianity, I was trying to do all of it for God. I was trying to prove to him I was worthy of dying on the cross for me. I was trying to be a good boy, trying to quit doing the bad things and do the right things. I was trying to convince God I was worthy of his love and his sacrifice. And as I fought through my demons, if you will, if I fought, as I fought through that civil war, I fought with all my strength. And I remember saying to God early in the morning and throughout the day, God, if you'll forgive me one more time, I'll do better. I'll do better. I'll do better. And I would. I would do better for a day, a week, weeks, or months. But my own strength would fail, and I'd lose the Civil War. And I would cave in, and sin would dwell in me again. Other things that we need to learn here is that when we fail, we have to quit trying to fix it in our own strength. The problem is, as Paul said, there is nothing good in us except for Christ who lives in us. And that's the victory in verse or in chapter 8 that we'll get to next week. Well, Paul kept trying to live out his Christianity in his own strength. He had to learn like I had to learn, like I hopefully pray you're learning. So we, don't, we don't try to do it for God, and we don't just grip and grin and bear it, but we surrender all to Christ. And that's what Paul would have to learn. Take a look at verse, go all the way down to verse 21. He goes on and continues to be transparent. He continues to say, I feel like I'm a prisoner. Look at it, verse 21. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, as he's going deeper in this teaching, he begins to unfold this civil war, and he uses that same terminology, this war that goes on within us against the law of our minds and makes us a prisoner of the law of sin. I want you to circle that phrase, and now he introduces this new terminology. Before he says, I was a prisoner of sin, now he says, a prisoner of the law of sin. Now, adding in that phraseology, he begins to talk about the reality of sin that we fight against. The law of sin. For something to be a law, it is, by definition, something that is constantly true. A natural phenomenon, something we experience in this physical world. Physical laws. The laws of nature. Well, the laws of our natural man is that there's this tug that is always at play called sin. The law of sin. Just like the law of gravity. Uh, If you jump off of a building, you will fall every single time. Doesn't matter how hard you pray. Doesn't matter how spiritual or unspiritual you are, that law of gravity pulls you to the surface. It is a natural law. And now Paul is using that picture to say that's our problem. This is our struggle. It's our daily civil war, the law of sin that pulls on us. Go to verse 24. Now he says, in my natural man, I feel trapped. Look at it. What a wretched man that I am. Who's saying this? The Apostle Paul. 
What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Now, he's been pointing out and letting everybody see, I'm not Superman. I'm not super sane. I don't have super strengths. I have supernatural strength that comes from Christ. But in my person, I have nothing. In Christ, I have everything. Matter of fact, he would pin those famous words in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, not for Christ, but through Christ, who he He gives me the strength to do those things. I don't have the strength. I don't muster up the strength. I surrender to him and he gives me that strength. And that's what we've got to learn, how to live supernatural lives, not natural lives for a supernatural God. This word wretched here in the Greek literally means worn out from exhaustion. He's picturing that I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I'm wretched. I've failed every single time and I can't do it anymore. I am a wretched man in my own strength. I think that's where many Christians are today. I think many have been taught how to be saved, but few have ever learned how to live saved, how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we've tried living for God. I think we have tried harder than ever before, and we're wretched in those efforts. But in Christ Jesus, we can do all things. There's not an addiction that you can't overcome. There's not a depression that cannot be dispelled through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is not a struggle that cannot experience victory. When we learn how to fight the real civil war under the power of our general and our commander, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we take a look at this, I want you to see how God rescues us. I want you to tune in this morning and dig in. And I want you to know you can have victory. You say, well, if this civil war is always going on, what's the use of even fighting? If I can't have victory, if I can't defeat it, why still fight? Well, you can have victory. We are more than conquerors, according to Romans chapter 8. In Christ Jesus, we can do all things. The problem is, how do we get there and how do we do it? Turn over to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, who? Who should come to him? All who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus speaks to those who had been working hard, working hard to be right with God. He was speaking really to a generation who thought that they were getting their way to heaven through religion. And they were worn out, they were exhausted, they were burdened, they were wretched, they were exhausted. They were trying and trying and trying, and they were doing everything to try to keep the law and the sacrificial system and all that was taught to them through the law. They were worn out, and they were exhausted, and they were empty. And Jesus says, I will rescue you. But the only way you can be rescued is to realize how wretched you are, to realize you do need the Lord. I knew something was missing. I knew I was wretched growing up. I knew... I had an emptiness inside. I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know how to fill it. So I tried to fix it. I tried to patch it. I tried to stuff other stuff in. And and I kept failing the Civil War. I kept losing battle after battle after battle. And then I was introduced to the Word of God. And then I was introduced to the Son of God. And as a junior in high school, I had to realize I was exhausted and I was worn out. And I just cried out to God. And I said, God, I need you in my life. And he left his throne in heaven, and he came to live inside of me. 
And the resurrection power of Jesus came alive in me, and he gave me rest. He gave me a new life. He gave me hope. He gave me forgiveness. He gave me a new beginning. And all things became brand new. And I had to realize the rest of this verse, or this passage, take a look at it, verse 29. He said, for take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, circle that, his yoke, we're going to come back to that in a moment. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we listen to the words of Jesus. He tells us how to have victory and there's a lot more that we're going to unpack as we finish next week, Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. But he, he gives two pictures here that made a lot of sense in their day, maybe not as much sense in our day. But I'll give you this picture. Take a look at the screen. Here would be a single yoke. This would be a device that a farmer would use. If he only had one ox to work his fields, he would use this single yoke. He'd place that on his ox. He would attach a plow and he would work that ox and he would work that field and he would work and he would work and he would work. And he could get some work done. He could plow that field. It may take longer. It may take more effort, but it could be done. And that single yoke is a picture of you and me apart from Christ. Or you and me even maybe as Christians seeking to live for God. We put that yoke on ourselves and we say, okay, now that I'm a Christian, I'm going to live for God all the days of my life. I remember praying that when I first surrendered to him. I remember saying, God, thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And Lord, I will live for you the rest of my life. Lord, there's nobody on this planet that loves you as much as I do. I started using the same I words that Paul was using at the very beginning of Romans chapter 7. Not realizing I was the problem. I was just going to do better this time. I had a restart. I'd been given a new life, a clean slate. And so I needed to do better this time. And so I put on the yoke and I started plowing for God. And I got exhausted. I got overwhelmed because sin kept pulling on me and I kept resisting it and I kept plowing harder and I kept gritting my teeth and I kept praying harder and I kept saying, God, help me to be strong. God, help me to be strong. But I was plowing wrong. And that may be where you find yourself today. I pray a light would, would just illuminate your heart today that this truth would set you free. For I want to show you the yoke that Jesus spoke about. Look at verse 29 again. He said, take my yoke upon you. Let me show you what that yoke looks like. Take a look at this next picture. That's a whole different yoke. That's Jesus' yoke. And what you'll notice, the difference in this yoke and your yoke is there are two places. One, and in this case, if, they, if a farmer was using this particular yoke, it means he's got two oxen. And as he would attach two oxen to the load, that load would go so much faster and could pull so much more than just the sum of the two oxen. This was proven scientifically at a world fair years and years ago. They had a horse pull in those days, and it was part of the world fair competition. The first horse pulled seven, the first place prize horse pulled 17,000 pounds. I believe the second horse pulled something like 10,000 pounds. You would expect that when you put them together, they'd pull a total of 27,000 pounds. Well, as they did an experiment and put those two horses together, when they were yoked together, it was astronomical how much more they were able to pull, like 36,000 
pounds. You see, Jesus was saying, come to me. You who've been in that single yoke, you've been trying so hard in your religion or in your own efforts or in your own strength. No, don't live the civil war trying to fight for God, trying to fight for me and trying to fight for victory. Get rid of that yoke and receive my yoke. And this was freeing for me that first time that I saw that I didn't have to pull the load. I needed to submit my load to Jesus. I needed to step into that yoke beside and in the Lord. And if I'm in Jesus, he pulls the load. He said, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. Lay all your burdens on me. And when we do that, and when we come into that yoke with Jesus, and we submit to that, the power of God gives us instant victory over the load of sin. You can choose each and every day how you want to live, living for Christ or living in Christ. Living, trying to appease God and earn his love, or you can live in his love. You can live in that yoke, and you can find rest. There are way too many Christians today that are saved. Their sins have been forgiven. But in their sanctification, they're struggling, they're discouraged, they feel like they're a prisoner, they're caving in to sin over and over again. Why? Because we're fighting with the wrong weapons. We're carrying it all on our own yoke. When we need to learn that the God who so loved you to set you free is the same God who so loves you to keep you free. Let me pray for you this morning. Would you join me as we pray with every head bowed and every eye closed? And I don't know exactly what the war looks like for you, but I know all of us fight a civil war. I know all of us have a flesh that desires to be fed, but we have the Spirit of God inside of us to give us victory over that battle. Perhaps you've never learned these truths. Perhaps you've been trying to live for God, then allowing God to live in you. Perhaps you've taken on a single yoke and you realize that's my problem. I'm carrying the whole load in my own strength and there's nothing good, nothing strong in me alone in my flesh. I need to repent and I need to step into that second yoke, into Jesus' yoke and allow him to be my load bearer. If that's you today, I would encourage you just to surrender your discouragement, your addiction, your defeat, your challenge. Just give it to him right now. Surrender it through prayer. As many of you are doing that now, I just happen to believe there's somebody who's worshiping with us online today who's hearing this message and you realize my problem is I've never allowed Jesus into my heart. I can't step into his yoke because I've never invited him into my life. I've been religious, I've tried to earn my way into God's love, but I realize today there's nothing good. My righteousness is like filthy rags. I need to be saved. If that's you today, I would pray that you would reach out to our online pastor or that you would email us here at the church at ministry at pcbc.tv and say, I need to be saved. What must I do to be saved? How, am I, how can I be saved? We'd love to get with you and encourage you. We'll email you back. We'll walk you through what it means to be a Christian. But basically, it's this. It's a surrendering of your life. It's a confession. First, it's to confess your sin. I'm bankrupt. There's nothing good in me. I need Christ. 
It's admitting. It's becoming transparent with God. And then it is believing in your heart. The Bible says when we believe in our heart, not our head, but our heart, we shall be saved. Do you need to believe in your heart today? Then you can pray. And just right where you are, say, Dear Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you. And Lord, I know that my sin separates me from you. So today I open the door of my heart. I repent from my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Today, Lord, I step into your yoke. I give you my bankrupt life, and I surrender all to you. Lord, carry my burdens. Give me victory over my civil war. And I will praise you all the days of my life. Well, no matter what you pray today, we'd love to hear about what God's doing in your journey and in your life. Please reach out to our online pastor or reach out through email. Again, that email is ministry at pcbc.tv. We'd love to celebrate with you what God's doing, and we'd love to send you some more materials to help you grow in your faith in Christ. Until then, remember next week, Lord willing, weather permitting, we'll have online worship at 945 Lawn Chair Church, the last one of May. We'll be outside at 1105. We have our food trucks coming. Coits will be here. Other food trucks will be here. We're going to have shaved ice. We're going to have kettle corn. We're going to have a great time celebrating next Sunday together. Until then, know that we love you, God loves you, and we'll be praying for you in the days ahead. God bless, in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.